0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Coach's Corner every Thursday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern. Coach Serrano and myself, we get to talk to uh, college coaches from all across the country, from all levels and divisions, and our hope uh, and our purpose is to help inform and educate both parents as well as student-athletes that are going through the process and looking to educate themselves. Uh, today we are joined by a newly uh, hired head coach from last summer in 2022, uh, former assistant coach at TCU, and now current head coach at Ohio State, or I guess you call it the Ohio State University, Bill Masiello. Bill, thank you for joining us today.
1: Walter, thanks for having me. Hey Mo, it's great to it's great to see you. Um, you know, as Walter has allowed, you know when we tour the, the country and bring on great coaches, it's just ironic that a lot of them are attached to, to me of growing up and it, we have another one with you, a childhood uh, friend for over 50 years. Um, and I, I wanna advise everyone that's on this call that uh, the one thing you're gonna hear over the next 30 minutes is the passion that Bill Moziello brings not only to coaching, but to everything he believes in. So Mo, it's, it's awesome to have you on I'm gonna jump right into it. Um, You've had a uh, illustrious career. We'll get into that in a minute, but one of the things that I've kind of taken from you is saying that you have, and and why Walter and I do these shows is for kids and families to be educated on what coaches are looking for and and what you need to do to be attracted to a coach. You have a saying in your program, how you do anything is how you do everything. Explain to the, the people that are listening, the recruits and the families, what you mean by that phrase?
2: You know, I think it means there's nothing that's not
1: important. And I mean,
2: I mean, I'm talking about, you know, waking up and making your bed or how your locker looks and how you treat your family and how you treat your friends and how you treat your girlfriend and you know, I just think it all matters, you know, and it really does. And obviously winning, nobody wants to win more than me, but I want to surround myself around great people and great kids. And and, and again, how they do anything is how they do everything. I mean, I've actually seen players before, you know, that I was recruiting. So say I'm at, at the Lake Point and perfect game and I'm watching a kid that I really like and I'm sort of following him. And I, I've, I've had a kid once and I saw the way he talked to his mom after the game. Mom's trying to give him Gatorade for the 20th time that day. And, and the way the, the kid handled the mom and was very just rude to her and things and and he actually was off my list immediately because i thought guy here's mom and and, you know we all know and Dave and I, no one knows better than Dave and I how much we wish we had our mom still here. And and to see a kid at, at whatever, 15 to 19 years old, treat yeah. his mom like that. And to say, man, your mom is here. She's got 10 Gatorades for you. All she does is wish great things for you. And you don't have the respect to tell her thank you and how much you love her. Uh, that really turned me off. And and again, I just think there's there's there are no little things and everything is really important.
0: That's well, I, I, on that topic, because, you know, when you go on to... The world of social media you hear a lot of people saying all that matters is the skill set if that young man was throwing 98 from the left side you wouldn't care about how he treated his mother kind of going down that same path it really does matter on the off the field side what type of student athlete uh how he conducts himself within the community of not only his peers but the faculty can you talk about that when you're evaluating Uh, A student athlete, whether it's Lake Point or at a high school game, what are some of the other observations that you're making before they step foot on the field? You know, so, I mean, I think the
2: process usually is like this. You get to the ballpark and you start looking at bodies. You know what I mean? And you start looking at, man, oh, that guy looks the part. Oh, I like that guy. Can't wait to see him play catch. Then maybe, you know, it's a pitcher and you watch his arm action. You watch his routine. Does he he have some professionalism in it? Does he have a plan on what he's doing? So those are things that right away. But then after that, it's about everything. The way he handles his teammates, the way he interacts with his catcher, the way he interacts with his coach. And then the more you get intrigued, and like you said, if I saw that 98, I'm going to watch even more man oh man i hope this is a guy and then i'm gonna watch how after innings you know how does he how does he sit in the dugout like does he root on his teammates like i want to watch every single part because to me the better the player the more i expect from him to act like the right type of guy and to be a really good teammate and, and 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 like i keep saying nobody knows more than dave nobody's coached more winning teams than dave nobody's had better pitching staffs than dave and the best pitchers that he has had were always the best teammates and the best guys and that's why they won and and that's why they had success and i think it's so important i don't think these kids understand like when you're trying to have a career be it at college or in professional you're not trying to have a a one month you're trying to sustain greatness and i've had over it might be over 100 now because guys get called up all the time that i don't even know to the big leagues but i have at least over 90 major league players that i coached um managed or coached and not one of them was a great wasn't a great kid and a great teammate. So when you want to sustain a career, it's all about that. You can't go into a professional or a big league clubhouse and not be the right type of guy around men and and sustain and keep a job. So people just don't understand the value and how important that is. And again, you might be so good that you get called up, but you don't stay in the big leagues. You don't get to play for a big league manager if you can't handle it yourself like a professional with class and and you can imagine like the big leagues is is it's not like college. You're not quite as close, but those guys become really close as teammates. And man, if you can't handle yourself in a great way and become even a great teammate in the big leagues, like you can't last. Guys don't want to be around you, and they'll
1: run you out of their
2: out of their organization. Believe it or not.
1: Hey Mo, kind of unique. Uh, I know Walter and I have had some uh, listeners write in to talk to someone that has coached at many levels, and it's kind of along the same lines what you just answered, but. You know, you and I have shared the dugout in many ways, fashion as players, as coaches on the same staff together. Um, But you've coached at the youth level. You've taken a team, a Connie Mack team, back when Connie Mack was real important. You took a team and won a national championship. You've coached at the junior college level. You've coached at the minor league level. You've coached uh, as an assistant and now as a head coach at the division one level. What is the separator at every level of the kids that the cream rises, to the top besides ability. And you may have answered that with what you just said, but you've been at so many levels. What have you seen the difference in, in what's the separator? Yeah. Well, like, like, like you're saying, you're, what you're alluding to, professionalism,
2: the kind of teammate, the way they act, can they sustain? There are certain characteristics to me as their aptitude. You know, obviously failure, recovery, how they can handle failure, but that goes into the kind of character you have as a, as a person. When 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 everything you do is super important and you're good at it, you can handle everything. And how coachable are you? Like even like you said, I, I coach everywhere but the big leagues. You know I mean? I haven't never been on a major league staff. I've been very fortunate to be at, at numerous. Uh, big league spring training games and be with big big league staffs in in spring training. So you got to watch how they acted and how an Albert Pujols acted or a Derek Jeter and those guys. So it was really awesome to watch them. And they were even better people than they were players. So you learned really early, like that's why they are who they are. That's why Derek Jeter's the captain, the way he handles himself. We've all seen the documentaries and watched how he is. And man, like that is as classy as it gets. And it's tough. Like he's a tough minded guy, Derek Jeter. Like there's no goofing around, man. If he didn't like the way you acted, you know that's why him and a-rod had some i think some problems he didn't think a-rod was the professional that could win a, a world championship with him so that's where they have some beefs here and there that maybe you're making it about him about yourself as opposed to the team so those little things that in college all we've ever tried to teach our players and how to act and how to behave and are the most the truest things ever you know being around mike trout for the three years in the minor leagues and watching what he does and you know dave was around me when i started bragging about him as an 18 year old telling the world like he's going to be the best player ever and the skill was great but the person was better than the skill like i was whatever a 40 year old manager whatever my age was um and, like, he would strike out with the bases loaded and come to the dugout, put his batting gloves up in there, get right to the rail like like he was in Little League and cheer on his teammates. Here I was crying when he struck out with the bases loaded because I wanted to have <laughs> three runs. So as an 18-year-old, he's acting, like, way more mature than I was as a 40-something-year-old that had been around it so much. And I gravitated to, like, that's what it looks like. That's how they acted. And even uh, – me having the pleasure to grow, around, grow up with Dave and watch the way he always handled things as a player and as a coach. And that was exactly the person Dave was. So that the successes that Dave had that I was able to watch from afar and to see that person that he, he was becoming, you know, as a 10 year old. And that's actually the characteristics that Dave had. And, and the Andy Stankwitz and the Kirk is all the guys that you've had on the shows that I've had the pleasure of watching lately, like that was exactly who they were. And I was a little bit different. I have a different personality and, and, and I've like admired them from a far so much and tried to emulate them and i'm so far from becoming them but i try to work on that every day because their greatness and the way they handled things was amazing and that's the exact same thing with players and that's what we've been trying to teach our players ever since dave and i started coaching like this is how you behave this is how you act it's so important that your teammates love you and value you because that's going to give you a sustainable career and it's going to help you win games
1: i promise you you know, you know the, before before, the, before you ask walter I'm, you know, gonna, I'm gonna jump in real quick mo that is a great point that i think is a missing link with so much of this youth baseball and travel baseball now that it's so much about them and what how much they're showing themselves to be recruited and there's it's such a bigger picture out there of and you said the perfect word sustained success not over a weekend at lake point sustained its success through your high school years through your three or four years of college and then beyond it takes a lot of mental aptitude to be able to be a great teammate well along with being a great player.
2: I mean, there's no doubt. And, and as you know, and anybody that's been involved in college baseball, especially at a high level of the teams that are trying to win championships, it's hard for a kid coming in one day at a time. He's got weights at 6 a.m. for the first time. Oh, my gosh, he has study hall here. They have that. Like, every, they're on an interview. Everything a player does when he steps on campus. So, if they're not the right kid and they've been really spoiled there, through their career and their high school coaches allowed them to just get away with everything because they were such a great player, they won't last. I mean, I, I can't even venture to tell you what what's the percentage of freshmen that when they come into a college program, even last into the second year of their college program and most of the time it's not because they weren't good enough it's because they weren't the right guy the expectations were way too tough on them they're not only were they trying to fight for a job and get playing time man they had a tough time making it through the fall and all the weights and all the different demands they have and that's why that you know how you do anything is how you do everything because it all matters. You know, I'm into second chances but there always are going to be um you're going to have to you you're, you're going to pay the price for what you do wrong. And if you miss a class or you miss weights and that there's going to be repercussions. You're going to be okay. I'm gonna, I'm going to give you second chances and even third and fourth sometimes. But guess what? Like every day you miss and every time you do that how are you going to play over somebody that's doing it right so I mean these kids are in for the craziest time of their lives when they get into college and there's no college coach that won't tell you how tough it is and and that's why it's so important that we recruit the right type of kid and we understand that they understand before they come in that the standard is the standard and because you hit 600 in high school we're not going to give in to you um, and it's 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 really a tough uh, and it, it's an awesome maturation that's the reason why the college kids do better in professional baseball is because of what they go through in their college career um, it's not even all about the degree it's how they would learn to have discipline and structure and learn to work on their own and 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 the way they act the way they behave and and that's why when they get into professional baseball they're able to zoom up and keep jobs because of what they learned in college and I'm positive of that after doing eight years of professional baseball and then all the other stuff in college and, and I know that's what makes players
0: you know I, I Dave it's like we're reading each other's mind there because one of the things that I, a lot of parents and more importantly, the student athletes fail to recognize is the significance of the jump from high school, not just to division one, but college athletics and the and the structure and the routine. And what I'd like you to kind of share with with families is there's some devaluing of high school baseball, you know, travel baseball is all that matters. High school baseball doesn't really matter. Can you? It, Can you just explain to parents, it's really all of the above. It's part of being a part of a team, a community, a sense of the we as opposed to the me. But kind of explain to the families in detail, that transition from high school athlete to college athlete, it's not necessarily immediate. It's a gradual learning process over that freshman year.
2: Yeah, I tell everybody all this and and I'm 100% positive. Other other guys might argue with me, but but through my, my experiences and things, the jump from high school to college is by far the biggest jump that you will ever have as an athlete. When you get into college, there's so many things. Obviously, now the time constraints, and you have your study hall, and you have your weights, and you have everything. The coaches are now on you on everything you've ever done. If you don't get your lead right at first base, if you didn't you know, make a good turn getting a third, if you didn't do a good job with your PFP as a pitcher, you're a middle infielder, you cuts and relays, you're being taught things that you've never heard of. So every single thing, a freshman goes one step forward and two steps backwards. They have never been coached like that. The game speeds up so quick. But once they get into college baseball and they go out to professional – The truth is the game becomes easier because why some of those big-time prospects are still learning to be a professional player, the guys from the great college programs are going to pass guys up super quick. And that's why Dave and I and and so many of these college coaches have had so many major league players. And you ask any of those guys, and they'll always tell me, you're right, man. Like these younger, great players, man, they don't know how to run the bases. They don't know how to cover first base. They don't know where to go, man. I'm just going to pass them up. Now, there does come a time when maybe that guy Guy's ability is better than yours, but you better. I still think that you're going to be able to outplay him because you know what's going on. You know, Dave getting the chance to coach uh, Justin Turner and my brother being his high school coach, like guys like Justin Turner, who, who he actually had really good ability, but we admired him more because of his intelligence and his work ethic and his wanting to win more than anybody. Like, there was zero chance that he could hit third in the big leagues, like, zero. And Dave can attest, he was with him for four years. I was with the Yankees his junior year when we drafted him, and I tried to convince the Yankees, let's give him 100000 He can actually play shortstop. And they, well, I don't know. Well, it won't be great, but he can do it. But his intelligence and things and his work ethic, and then he got into the pro game and started figuring out, making some little adjustments all because of his intelligence and the Dodgers are great, but to watch the way he would lead them and his intelligence factor and how he could work a walk, he could hit a home run and, and hit a shoot a ball to right field with two strikes. the think same things that he had done all his career and to watch what he did. And Dave and I have been around, you know, that was such an amazing story, but we've had all of our players that play in the big leagues. They separated themselves with their intelligence and it was because what they learned in college, you know what I mean? And, And I've been around, you know, Mike Trout, the greatest player who, as a 17, 18 and 19 year old, was so talented, but with great intelligence and the way he handled himself. That's why he was able to have success early. But the, the jump that you make is absolutely unbelievable going into college. And if you can play every day as a freshman and star, you're going to be that first rounder. Like all the great freshmen that we had end up becoming first rounders. And there's tons of guys that didn't play well as a freshman that still became a first rounder or was a high draft, but he wasn't ready to play as a freshman because his aptitude just wasn't ready. Maybe his maturity level. So that jump is by far the toughest one you will ever make.
1: Hey, Mo, uh I want to talk a little bit about where you're – the program you're leading now. You've been at a, a long list of very, very uh, distinguished programs. Uh, started at the University of Ten- – or Cal State Fullerton, then University of Tennessee, then Ole Miss, then Oklahoma, and USC, and Auburn, and back to back to Tennessee, and then USC – or I mean, and then um, TCU, and now is the head coach at Ohio State for that recruit and family that's listening, why academically and athletically is Ohio state a great place to come to?
2: You know, and it starts with the university. You know I mean? It's just, it's an elite degree and, and, and you're getting to have what, what one of the things that I learned as I, in college baseball is, is I think the total college experience is the most important thing. I know you want to go play for a great coach. I know you want to play for the big leagues in the big leagues, but like, There's a lot of great coaches. I'd love to tell you that I'm the best coach in the country, but I'm not. There's a lot of awesome coaches. I put together an elite staff with great experiences that that understand, that have great integrity and great character. They're going to teach their kids to do things the right way. But there's a lot of places that have that. But the total college experience, Ohio State is as special as it gets. Um, just the way they get to handle themselves there. The student athlete treatment is unbelievable from our facilities and their training table where they get to eat in the weight room and, and the, you know, our uh, academic mentors that do everything. So we're, we're setting them up to have great success in life. Um, Nobody's ever dreamt more about the big leagues than me or had wanted to get our players to play in the big leagues, but the older I get every single day, it's about their experience in life. How am I building men? Am I, am I giving them the opportunity to be successful in life? And that's, you know, I've in my last probably 12, 13 years, that's become more and more important for me every single day. And, you know, Dave and I have an older kids that have been through it and we've seen their ups and downs as players. And we had dreams for them to be in the big leagues and, and with Dave Kyle still fighting that dream, but we, we've learned, man, we're just trying to develop great kids that can, function in society and become a great, uh, you know, that somebody wants to hire because of the person they are, that they can have su- success. Again, when I talk about sustainable success and, and that's, you know, trying to build a, a kid to become a man so that he can become married and have a family and have a successful job and be able to go on vacations and have a real life in this coaching job. You know, we know how tough it is and we want our sons to do things like, buddy, I need you to have a real life. Our job's never been a real life. Guys like Dave and I never thought we worked a day in our life. You know what I mean? Because we—we we, it was just what we did and it's what we've always done, but we, we learned how tough it is. But Ohio State's a really special place. And I, I know there's a lot of awesome places. And, and here with me is like, no one's going to love their love their kid more than me. Nobody's going to challenge them more than me. No one's going to have expectations more than me, but I'm going to love them to death. It's not always going to be pretty. They're going to always know where they stand. They're always going to know what they need to work on. Um, but man, I'm going to love them and I'm going to make sure they're setting themselves up for life. And my staff that I was able to put together, you know, thank goodness they're, they're better than me in all aspects. And that's why I chose them. And it's not hard to do things things better than me, but I have a great group around them. They're going to have, we all have the same goals for our kids and our program.
0: You know, Bill, I, I I get a lot of questions from families that talk about, you know, various conferences and so forth. And the big 10 is, you know, if I mention big 10, I'm in Boston and new England, and we think football, we think Ohio state, Michigan, we think Penn state. Um, The the conference from a baseball perspective is about to undergo uh, some changes in Do you use that with regard to your recruiting? You know, we got UCLA, USC coming in, and uh, I'm going to start to look at some of my West Coast guys and and utilize that part of the country with regard to your recruiting.
2: You know, we already we were already on that. Even the you know we we'd had a couple of California commits even before they made that change, and obviously it helps. I don't really sell that very much. Um, I think we have eight commitments from California. I don't know if it's four or five next year and then two or three in the 24 class but i think we have eight california kids and that only helps it um and i should talk about that a little bit more hey we're going to be coming into your city um at least once a year and we we already have the west coast swing that we're doing so much as it is and that's what's helped us attract them and i do think you know dave and i grew up and, and dave and i made a living at tennessee right away and had great success with california kids because getting out of california and seeing how Incredible the experiences are. Football games and just everything. Man, it's it's really alluring to them. So it's it's different. I do think some kids from California want to get out of that. Um. You know, Dave and I love to go back to California because we still know how neat, neat that place is. But we're also glad when we get to sneak back out too. So but that's our roots and that's our love. And, you know, when I heard Andy speak last week, you know, we, we grew up with exactly what he talked about, but he never got to be like us and go to an SEC or a Big 12 or another place to fall in love with how different it was. So he'd sort of only known that area. And Dave and I, basically, when we went out, basically said, hey, man, this is where we want to be. I want to make a living here. I want to raise a family. Um, so we saw how special it is. The Big Ten's getting better every day. It only helps us to have UCLA and SC. But to me, I'm so focused still on the group right now. I still sort of forget that they're coming. And I still it's confusing to me how they're gonna do the schedules and all those things. So I really haven't thought a lot about that. Um but it's going to be awesome to have them in. I'm not excited about co- uh, coaching against Andy. I don't. I hate coaching against friends. Um, so, I, you know, one of us are going to have to lose, and I know what a great coach he is. So I'm not really excited about playing him. But I don't mind getting to play UCLA. I know Coach Savage is awesome, but I'm, you know, I'm a friend of his, but it's not like with Andy and Dave. Like, I just – we know how gut wrenching losses are. The only good thing about Andy is he handles losses a lot better than I do. So I always, tell him, Andy, you you can lose a lot better than me. But it, give me a couple wins right here. I mean, it's the end of the world when I lose. But for you, you're gonna just
1: get them tomorrow. So that's why I love Andy so much. Hey Mo, I'm gonna. Uh, I want you to touch briefly on how this affects you and your program. You're 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 trying to build a program. Is the new legislation that's just come down the 40 man roster. Um, the the recruitments uh, how they've cut back on on how early you could contact kids which I'm a big fan of but as I'm I'm out of the business now you're you're trying to build a program so how does that how does that affect you in a good and bad way in regards to the roster limit and then or the roster increase and the fact that you've got to stop recruiting that freshman and sophomore and maybe even the junior high kid now
2: you know that's a great point I'm going to start with and and I, and, I, and I truly mean this. Um, I care more about where college baseball is going and all those things and how it affects me personally. So I am elated that we've made these rule changes. I want those, I've wanted those changed forever. I think it's going to change the style of coaches' lives, hopefully. Uh, every second we're on call, I get a freshman calling me in high school, got to answer it. I know exactly who it is. I can't miss his call. It's going to change our lifestyle off the field. Um, in the summers, I don't need to now worry about the freshmen and go see a million freshmen and sophomore games. We're still going to do our due diligence. We have to prepare for that. Those are going to be the guys that at one time that we're going to want to recruit, but we don't need to be there every second. For me personally, when you're up and coming and you're and you're recruiting at a high level and recruiting, you know, lots of players. You're trying to have a little more power by number because we got to get in a lot of players and we're trying to create great competition. I like the 40 man as opposed to 35, because we're trying to bring in a lot of numbers and we're trying to have great competition. Um, a little of my heart's changed a little bit. I always wanted the low numbers of recruits coming in and man, I hated to have too many kids. And, but now it's like, man, we need to bring in players and I want to have competition. And it used to always be, I really recruited like, okay, Hey, he's going to be my shortstop. we am going to bring in these two guys, but now I'm going to, I'm bringing in more numbers. I, obviously there's only a certain number you can go to. So we're going to go up to that 40 and we'll have probably, you know, 44, 45 and those extra four or five kids will know coming in. Hey, you know, it's going to be a little tougher for you to make it, but here's where you are, but we are going to give you an opportunity. Um, But I'll never be like some schools that are in the sixties and and get rid of 20 to 25 guys. I mean, I have a tough enough time sleeping at night knowing that I, there's going to be a time next December where I got to get rid of three to four kids. I don't know how you could do 20 or 25, like more power to you, buddy.
1: Um, um, let me ask you, let me ask you this, Mo. Walter and I have talked about this off the air. Um, and we're going to have Kendall Rogers on soon and, and get some of the legislation updates um, for our, our listeners. But don't you think with the NCA making this move to 40, which there's pros and cons to it for every organization, don't you think they should limit how many kids you could have on your fall roster to prevent exactly what you just said? those teams that are monopolizing players, bringing in 60, 65 guys, and 2025 are going to be out out of a program in, come December.
2: Yeah, you know you know the saying, the rich get richer. You know what I mean? And, and I've never even thought of that, Dave. And, of course, man, what a great idea that, you, that, that you, maybe you've talked to somebody who's brought that up, and that's sort of where you learn. But that would be awesome. Like, that would just be – we're in this for the kids. So, like, just the, the – up like, and I don't know the number, 47, 45, but – so that, so that certain schools can't monopolize all the really good players. And some of those schools, and I'm jealous because I wish I could do it. You know, like I saw a couple of players a couple of days ago that are elite guys that would be, I think, pretty good offers from us that, hey, he's got a walk-on spot at such and such school, an SEC school. And I'm like, he's a good player, but, like, does he know how many players they already have and how good their guys are? The one thing I'm able to offer, especially pitchers right now, is, buddy, you have a chance to come in and pitch in our rotation. Two years from now, I hope I never tell a guy that, except for the elite guy. But we're going to have three or four spots open right now to win jobs. And I hate being there. I like being at TCU where I could say, hey, we got our Sunday spot open or a Tuesday. I got two really good all-conference All-Americans coming back next. You know what I mean? We're not there yet. So we're trying to bring in guys to compete for that. But um, and I'm thinking, man, you you know how hard it is going to be for you to pitch for that team. You know how many good players. And then with the portal and the NIO money, it's like, buddy, even if they actually had two open, I hate to tell you, but they're going (laughs) to pay two guys to come in to fill those spots um, because of the ability and the arms race that that there is in the SEC. And I speak at that, not degrading them, just in pure jealousy. Um, But. Yeah, limiting a number and a certain thing to not do that to kids. And in some ways, I do like the fact that they have the toughness and you're chasing a dream. And I do believe in shooting for the stars. We got kids coming here that aren't on scholarship because the, but the cost is so little for Ohio. I'm going to give them an absolute fair opportunity to be a guy. But the numbers are only going over five, five or six, not 15 to 20. So when I do tell them that, like I've had some kids that are coming here on non-scholarship, but I, I and I even waited an extra two, three weeks because I wanted to see my numbers because I wanted to tell the family, hey, I believe you have roughly about an 80 percent chance. Now, if you're OK with a 30 percent chance and you're still willing to do it, OK, I'm all right. But I, I want it to be in the 80s to really feel that you're going to have a fair chance to make the club. And then I know I spoke to them and what I told them. And if if in December I have to have that talk, well, yeah, well, Johnny just wasn't good enough to make the club. And I warned you about this. My key is transparency and being authentic with every family. And every talk I've had is going to be like, they're going to know we talked about this. I told you how tough it was going to be. You know what I mean? So like I I can sleep at night saying, hey, we had these discussions earlier, but I do know looking the kid in the eye in December and saying, hey, it's not going to work for you here how tough that's still going to be. Like, but, you know, the one thing Dave knows is like the one neat thing about being an assistant was <laughs> but luckily my coaches always – head coaches really valued me, and and I felt great. But it was really easy for me to say, Dave, we got to get this guy and this guy and this guy. But guess what? I was still going to have to be a part because I recruited the family the whole time, but I wasn't the head coach and had to look in the eyes and, um, and say, okay, uh, sorry, Johnny, this doesn't – you're not going to make it. Now, of course, a lot of times I'm in the meeting with them and there's certain things, but there's nothing like being in the so-called, you know, chief seat and say, hey, sorry. And then they, well, your assistant was great when he recruited me, but man, they're upset at you as the head coach because you're the one that got rid you know. And then we all know that all of us assistants, we value what they do. And like we all made that decision, the head coach very rarely makes the decision and says, yeah, everybody else loves you, but I don't want you. you Who knows in those closed door meetings, some head coaches only do closed door and maybe sometimes they're saying, you know, Hey, you know, Johnny, I'm the one that wanted to keep you. but (laughs) So maybe some of them do that. And and maybe I'm going to come up with some tricks to do that. Cause you know, being the one that tells them. But again, I've told every kid that is in that position, I've told 100% what you're up against and even the scholarship kids and this is where I'm maybe a little different and be just being authentic is and transparent even a kid on the biggest scholarship I've ever coached I've talked to them as a family and said hey if for some reason you're not a fit or you don't like it here I'm going to be honest with you now you have you're on a scholarship we have to you know honor that but if i don't think you're a fit here i'm always going to let you know as a parent that's done this with my boys please just be honest with me if you don't really feel my son's a part of your program be honest tell me the truth it might be hard for a minute but um as long as i doing what i think is best for every kid every year i think that's just what's right and we all know again with the portal if i lie and i'm a used car salesman everything i told you is not true they get to go out the door any second they want. So I think in doing the right thing and treating families right and every kid the way you'd want your own kid to be treated, if you're not doing that, you're gonna it'll catch up to you. There's no doubt. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, last question from me, Bill, and and it's kind of something that's on every parent's mind. You know that I t- talked to recently. Roster increased to forty. You know, now we get thirty-two that you can divvy up scholarship. But that number of 11.7, do you foresee or would you like to see an increase in that number to kind of bring it into the same realm as, you know, the footballs and the basketballs and the, you know, the full scholarships?
2: Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. I mean, and, and I've always believed and I thought there was some, Man, I really thought it, I, even that this year that, that we were going to get to 25. I'd always heard that from people, and especially the guy, the 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 head coaches that have been really involved in all that, that really have a, a good say. And I had always felt pretty good about it. And I just think what happens is college baseball is the best it's ever been with everything that's going on. And I think the people from afar say, "Hey, college baseball is doing better than it ever has. Why would we change? It's doing great. You guys are somehow making it work. Let's not change." which is the farthest thing from the truth for the families and the kids and what us coaches go through roster management is a number one. uh, um, The number one ability to build a successful program is your roster management, which has to be, it's not easy. And you you learn and you acquire that, that ability. Um, But I, I sure hope so and pray, but I don't know. Every time I think it's going to happen, it never happens. Um, And then with the NIL, so now we're trying to stretch the money and, and everybody has different ways with that. And, um, man, and again, the rich get richer because the programs that don't really need it now, the NIL, it, it's an arms race for them. And the stories you hear and the reality of some of that is just mind boggling. Um, and, and luckily, we're not at that stage. We're going to raise NIL money, just help with the costs, And maybe, hey, we're going to be able to give you more money than you had in your scholarship. So now we can give an out-of-state guy more money for his scholarship. Like, so we're, we're more of going to do it to help families financially and to get in, get better players and then help some of the in-state kids so they can actually not pay as much.
1: Well, Mo, this has been fabulous. Uh, you know, another great show that Walter and I brought on another great guest. And for the listeners out there, I want you, it didn't take very long for you to understand that coach Mo is very passionate, uh, believes in what he believes in, um, I've seen it firsthand, Mo said it himself. He's gonna push you in in his program, he's gonna push you the limit, but at the end of the day, he's gonna love on you because he knows what's the most important thing. So Mo, great as always to talk to you. Walter, what you you don't realize is Mo and I used to have these conversations as 10, 11, 12 year olds on the phone all the time from our home phone. And I wish we would have done podcasts then because I think we could have educated people a lot of times it was about the big red machine versus the Dodgers. He loved the big red machine, and I was a Dodger fan. But I think that's why both of us became coaches. Uh, we were average players that made ourselves good players because of our work ethic. And we became coaches because we didn't have a professional career, and the way of staying in baseball was to coach kids and get them to that level. So, Mo, as always, I love you. Great to see you. And we would really appreciate your time, and, and And go Buckeyes. Yeah, thanks, guys. Walter and Dave, what you guys are
2: doing to? To educate these parents is, is second to none. And I'm so proud of the job that you guys are doing and Dave love you. And thanks for always being there for me. Have a great day, Walter.
0: Thank you, Bill. Thank you very much. You. And I want to let everybody know that next week's guest is going to be a associate head coach at the university of Arizona. David lawn is going to join uh, coach Serrano and myself. We're going to talk a little bit about the PAC 12 and the Arizona baseball Any questions about, you know, Coach uh, Bill Marcello, Ohio State, Big Ten, anything like that, drop us some comments. We'll make sure we get to you and answer your questions. Thank you for joining us, and join us next Thursday. Thank you.